Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Afternoon, Shifu. Afternoon, Shifu. How are you today? Good. Everybody uh, rested? Wow, the sky outside is like completely dark, but the sun is still shining. So creates a very interesting view. The HDB flat is bright and then dark background. <laughs> ah. Let me see. Ah, today we have another friend join us. Mikhail Malay. Malay. Mikhail Malay. Uh, are you there? Hello, yes. Ah, did, did I pronounce your name right? Mikhail, yeah. That's, Mikhail. that's good. Uh, where are you from? I'm, I live in a small city next to Barcelona called ah. Preu. Ah, so do you know, do you know Edward? Yep, I know it's ah. in here. So that's how you join us. Yep. <laughs> and our hairstyle is the same. Yeah, I see. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to SGC, where we have a bit of uh, chanting, a bit of uh, sitting, and uh, not so bit of Dharma sharing. <laughs> welcome. Thanks. And uh, let me see, anybody else? No. All right, so today we're going to share on something interesting. Today's topic is on the four immeasurables. Yeah, four immeasurables. Uh, let me see, let me see. Have you all heard of the four immeasurables? I'm sure a good number of you have heard of the four immeasurables before. Yeah. So, the four immeasurables. Uh, in Chinese, 慈悲喜舍. Yeah, in English, uh, usually translated as loving kindness, compassion, uh, joy or appreciative joy, and lastly, equanimity. Yeah, equanimity. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the Pali term is metta, karuna, mudita, and upika. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah, quite simple. Huh? So all of you can remember it? Can? Okay, good. End of the, today's talk. <laughs> so uh, these four qualities are uh, much, um, much uh, highlighted. Yeah, it's mentioned in many suttas. Uh, these four qualities are also give, um, given another name. Yeah, you all know what the name is? I think some of you know the name. Huh? Yeah, they are, the, the four immeasurables are also called uh, the Brahma Vihara. Yeah, Brahma Vihara. Yeah, Chinese called Fan Zhu. Fan Zhu. Yeah, so why is it called? Brahma Vihara. Yeah. As you all know, Brahma is the uh, is the is the name of the uh, one of the Indian gods which the uh, which was uh, prayed to and worshipped by the Indians. Yeah. 
Uh, when we say Indians, is a bit of a misnomer, yeah, because in the Buddha's time, there was strictly speaking no Indians, uh, because it was not one country, but as I repeat so many times, you all hear until it's inside of mine, huh? There's, there were 16 different states, yeah, and then plus some other smaller states, yeah, satellite and uh, vessel to the major states. But as loosely, let's just say, uh, the Indians, huh? so that's easier for us to understand. Yeah, so that, but the Buddha is not a, a Brahmin. Yeah, the Buddha was not a, uh, was not a Hindu, so to speak. Yeah, so then how come he mentioned about Brahma? Hmm. So um, he dis he he described the four immeasurables as the Brahma Vihara. Uh, Vihara means a place of stay, uh, abbot, yeah, the place where a person stay in, that we stay in, yeah, it's called vihara. So, uh, it's a Pali word. So, what does that mean then, Brahma vihara? So, it means that Brahma stay in this place, yeah. Where does Brahma stay in? He stay in loving kindness, compassion, uh, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Oh, this is quite interesting. Huh? Usually when people ask you, um, I think, actually, I think I covered these four qualities before. So uh, if you go and compare with my earlier talk, you may find that it's similar, huh? but it's not my fault. It's somebody's fault. They choose the same topic. <laughs> Correct, so can, yeah, but it's also my fault because I look at it, okay, I'll do it again. <laughs> so, if people ask you, Alvin, where do you stay? Then what must you say? West Coast. Uh, you say West Coast. Yeah. Uh, then if people ask, uh, ask you, Alison, where do you stay? Then what must Alison say? Papa phones. Uh, where? Kappa phones. Kappa phones. Wow, I see. Yeah. Uh, not woodlands. Huh? Yeah. If you say woodlands, then people will take a few steps back. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, for Edward, Albert, and uh, Mikhail's sake, uh, woodlands is a very interesting place in Singapore. It's in the northwestern part of Singapore. But of course, to many of to many people who are viewing this video, when you really look at the map of Singapore, you'll be wondering why do you still separate as north, south, east, west? It's a dot. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's in the northern, western, northwestern part of this dot. Okay, so the dot is still occupying space. And uh, in the past few years, there are a lot of things that happen in woodlands. Yeah. And then there's this internet joke about the, the crazy people in Woodlands. So, so if Alison say, oh, I'm from Woodlands, then they will take a few steps back. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any characteristics of people who stay in Woodlands, Alison? Huh? Any characteristics? Are they really all a bit crazy? <laughs> no. Uh. How about Valerie? If people ask you where do you stay, what do you say? Is it the same as Elvin West Coast? 
No, Bukit no. Panjang. Bukit Panjang. Oh yeah, you shifted, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Bukit Panjang. Yeah, so we all stay in different places. Yeah. Last time, if you ask me, where do I stay? Then I will say Geelang. Uh, and say it very properly. Geelang. The pro correct pronunciation is Geelang. <laughs> yeah. But of course, actually, I think Geelang is a Malay word. Huh? Right? Is it Geelang is a Malay word or Hokkien word? Malay, right? Yeah. So I don't know how to pronounce it in Malay also. Geelang lah. Uh, or maybe, I don't know. Huh? So anyway, don't be racist. Huh? Not very sensitive. Yeah, you make a bit of joke, then people say, oh, this monk is racist. <laughs> ah, yeah, this nowadays, getting too politically correct. So we usually tell people in terms of your locality, where you stay. And perhaps based on where you stay, they may form certain impression of you. Yeah. For example, if you tell people you stay in Geelang, they may associate you with a few things, right? They may associate you with durian. They may associate you with zicha, chicken rice. What else? Uh, maybe some of the night spots. <laughs> uh, uh, and so on. Uh, but if you are Buddhist and you tell people you stay in uh, uh, Geelang, there are Buddhist friends that, wow, you're so fortunate you stay in Geelang. There are so many Buddhist temples there. Yeah. Uh, in Singapore, I think by and large, there isn't so much distinction of locality that if you stay in a certain location, then people say that you are of a certain trait. Yeah? So you can't really tell. But now, the Buddha says that Brahma stay in not a physical place. Yeah? That he stay in these four mental qualities. Mm. Stay, his mind stay in loving kindness, uh, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Oh, this is interesting, huh? Yeah. So, <clears throat> imagine after this class, when, you're, when you meet a new friend and they ask you, so where do you stay? Then you, you tell them, I stay in loving kindness. Huh? Oh, loving kindness. Which part of Singapore? Anywhere in Singapore. Then they think you are trying to be funny. Huh? Uh, if you go for interview, I think you shouldn't tell them that. You should just tell them the physical location. Mm. So, but what does that mean then? What does that mean? In the Sutta, the Buddha described that uh, Brahma, he encompasses the first quarter yeah, in loving kindness, the second quarter in loving kindness, the third quarter in loving kindness, the fourth quarter in loving kindness. He establishes the first quarter in compassion, second quarter in compassion, and so on. Yeah, he establishes all the different quarters in loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Yeah. So that's to say that this uh, uh, Brahma, this Brahma that he speaks of, yeah, he imbues his mind in these qualities. Yeah. So uh, and in that way. Brahma stay in a different place <laughs> compared to us. Yeah. Uh, so where do we stay in? Yeah, where do we stay in? We stay in uh, not, not Singapore. We stay in Taobao. 
uh, you see who love, you see whoever love, uh, you know that they are the Taobao king and queen. Yeah. Uh, then some of you stay in Shopee. Uh, Shopee, let's see anyone's mouth. Uh, Marcel's mouth. Uh, Marcel. Tao, Choping wear mask, so we cannot tell. Uh, my sister Doreen, uh, you see her laughing, I'm just so happy. So she's Taobao queen. <laughs> yeah. So we all stay in different things. So depending on where we stay, then we live our life differently. Uh, we act differently and our life becomes different. So why is it that the Buddha um, <clears throat> described these four immeasurables as immeasurables? And why is it that he, uh, he teach the disciples? Yeah? He teach us to uh, cultivate these four immeasurables. Yeah, what is so interesting about them and what are the benefits? Now, let's find out. So first of all, why are the four immeasurables known as immeasurables? Now, it is because the, the, um, the target yeah, uh, that a person who cultivates these four qualities, uh, the target that they encompass is immeasurable. That's to say, when you have loving kindness, uh, and you cultivate it, you don't cultivate it just towards one or two person. You cultivate to encompass immeasurable number of sentient beings. Yeah. Uh, you, if, you, if you have loving kindness towards just one or two person, can we say that you are cultivating the Brahma Vihara? Cannot. Uh, uh, There's a tiny, tiny Vihara, small, small world. <laughs> A very small world. <clears throat> Uh, similarly for compassion, similarly for appreciative joy, similarly for equanimity. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but what, how to imagine immeasurable? Oh, that's a bit tough. Huh? Singapore has 500, no, uh, 500. <laughs> Singapore has 5 to 6 million uh, residents in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and already, can we imagine that number? Can you imagine? Uh, maybe if you try hard enough, you can imagine. But have you seen this number of people? Have you seen this number of people? No. Huh? Uh, like if you, uh, like now, nowadays you can't see because everybody is hiding at home. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but even last time, uh, it's a bit hard to see everybody out. Yeah. So you got to maybe visualize a bit yeah but even if you try to visualize it's not so easy yeah but now we say include all sentient beings so one way is you just imagine one person two person four person eight person and then the the the, the group of people just grow grow until wherever you 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 look in your mind yeah, are individuals so that's one way so another way is <clears throat> whomever you meet, yeah, wherever you are, uh, that person is included. Uh, that's another way. Yeah, you understand what I mean? Yeah, because if it's immeasurable, then it should encompass everybody. Yeah. So then it means that wherever you are, whomever you meet will be included in your uh target in a way yeah uh, that means 
you want to be to have loving kindness towards uh, that is a person included <clears throat> so but you may ask what exactly is loving kindness is just an english word yeah what is loving kindness so in the uh, chinese text we have this verse <laughs> Loving kindness has the quality of giving happiness. Compassion has the quality of removing suffering. Yeah. So this morning I gave the morning seat participants an exercise. Yeah. Which is what? Which is to practice the four immeasurables. Yeah. For one week. Yeah. So <clears throat> how to practice? So whomever you meet, then you consider: is there happiness? Is there suffering? Uh, just these two things, these two qualities. Is this person happy? Is this person having suffering? Uh, so you see, every time when we start a class, I ask, uh, how are you today? Uh, then you all say, okay, so okay, okay. <laughs> no, no suffering. <laughs> yeah, then you all laugh, you all smile, okay, looks happy, okay. Job done. <laughs> so, uh, but that's just surface, uh, that's just surface. If you meet someone who has no happiness, yeah, who is not happy, but also not suffering, then uh, we, we wish for the person to be happy. Uh, that's called loving kindness. Uh, so we, we have loving kindness towards the person. So you try to give the person happiness. Simple? Uh, simple, right? Uh, what is not simple is how to know. Okay, we'll go into that later. Uh, that's the difficult part. And if you encounter someone <clears throat> who has uh, no happiness uh, but has suffering, uh, the first one is no happiness, no suffering. So you give happiness. Second is no happiness but has suffering. Yeah. So what do you do? You give more suffering. No, no. <laughs> uh, I know some of you, <laughs> especially with our friends, yeah, we see our friend suffering, then you kick. <laughs> yeah, with our family members also. Yeah, with our close friends, with our family members, and you see them squirming, then you kick. Uh, sometimes we are quite mischievous. But uh, no, no, no. Today we don't be mischievous. Just for one day, okay? Yesterday you are mischievous. Tomorrow you are mischievous. Today, don't be mischievous. Today, when you see someone suffering, uh, you try to remove their suffering. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you do that, then you are being compassionate. Okay, So loving kindness and compassion. Yeah. Then the third one is, if you see the person having happiness, but no suffering. Okay, So first one is no happiness, no suffering. Second is have suffering, no happiness. Third one is have happiness, no suffering. You see the person having happiness, very happy. Then what must you do? Now, what must you do? Uh, you rejoice in the happiness. Huh? Uh, you rejoice in the happiness. Be happy for them. Be happy for the fact that they are happy. Quite simple, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, as I mentioned in the morning, uh, <clears throat> oftentimes when we see someone happy, uh, depends. It depends. If we consider the person to be our inferior, yeah, 
Yeah, that means you, you think of this person as uh, our junior, uh, lower than us. And that person is happy because of some accomplishment. Yeah, uh, we can be happy for them. Yes. Wow, well done, well done. Wow, good job, good job. If the person is our senior, someone who is elder than us, someone who is uh, in our mind, superior to us. And when they do well, wow, we are also full of admiration for them. We are happy for them. Wow, it's so amazing. Wow, you are so good. But if the person is our peer, oh, that's where the tricky part comes. If the person is our peer and the person is successful, the person is happy as a result, ah, there's a higher chance for us to become envious, to become jealous. Ah, think about it. Your boss got a big bonus. Yeah, your boss. Are you happy for your boss? <laughs> Maybe some of you, no, not happy. <laughs> Uh, think about it. If you just think of a boss by itself, right? You, you can't tell. Think about it. Two person got high bonus, higher than you. One of them is your boss. The other one is your peer. Okay. You have 12 months bonus. Your boss have 13 months bonus. Not 13 months, huh? 13 months bonus. That means one month more than you. Your peer also have 13 months bonus. Yeah. Between these two, which one are you happier for? Which one are you not as happy for? Uh, now you know. <laughs> uh, at the first place, you may be thinking, Sufu, since when do I get 12 months bonus? <laughs> imagine, imagine. Huh? Why are you also not know you're so unimaginative? Just imagine. I know most of us don't get 30 months bonus. Yeah, then you just look around. Those of those of you who are having a straight face, ah, now we know who get 13, 12 months bonus. Uh, don't dare to those who don't dare to respond. <laughs> hey, how come Sifu no? Mm, let me keep a straight face. Uh, see Alvin. Uh, Alvin <laughs> trying to keep a straight face. Uh, now he look away and laugh. What what's bonus? What's bonus? Yeah, he don't need bonus. His pay is so high, he don't need bonus. <laughs> but happiness is not just about money. Yeah, happiness can be about anything. Achievements is not just about work. It can be about anything. And it is not always the case that you get jealous only over your peer. It can be anyone as well. Yeah, but what I observe is Tendency is, if you consider that person to be your peer, then there's a higher chance for you to feel envious and jealous over. And why? Because whatever your peer can achieve, you are more likely to achieve. Yeah, and that's one of the root of jealousy. If it's something that's simply beyond you and someone achieve it, what is that to be jealous about? You know? Yeah, what is that to be jealous about? If it's something that's achieved by someone who you consider to be below you, yeah, then it, you, you either have achieved it already or you don't think it's worth your time. So you wouldn't feel jealous over as well. Yeah? You may not necessarily feel be happy for them, yeah? but unlikely for you to feel jealous over them also. Yeah. Uh, 
But then in that case, why do you want to practice this? Yeah. What for practice this? Um, this third immeasurable, I heard from this uh, Bhante Sumaloka. Yeah. He shared many times. And since then, I've shared many times and I keep citing him. <laughs> and I feel that if I had to cite Bhante Sumaloka a hundred times, I will do so as well. Because in modern society, yeah, uh, many times our happiness is lost, not because people snatch it away from us, but simply because we are not able to be happy for others' success. Yeah, despite our relative relative success, yeah, we are not able to be happy. Mm. Uh, the, and the, the root is we compare with others. Yeah. And then allow ourselves to feel that that person is untitled. Yeah. It's not befitting to have that kind of success. Mm. But why does that happen? Sometimes cannot be helped, also, you know. Yeah. You know why? It cannot be helped that sometimes people become jealous. Mm. Why? Because there's something magical about our world. <laughs> you know why it's so magical about our world? In this world, when someone uh, is hungry, yeah, who is the whose hunger do you realize first? Yes, our own hunger, right? Can you realize other people's hunger? Not so easy. Yeah, not so easy. If the person don't scream and shout, how do you know? How do you know that the person is hungry? Uh, uh, Wiki, Wiki, no. <laughs> uh, Wiki say, I know, I know Sufu is hungry because he always, <laughs> uh, he always talk about food. Either talk about laksa or talk about chakwidyao or durian. <laughs> So we only know about our own suffering. Yeah. So not so easy to be compassionate towards others. We only know whether we are happy or not happy. So not so easy to be, uh, to have loving kindness towards others. Uh, but how about the third quality? The third quality of uh, appreciative joy. Mm. And similarly, in this whole world, when who is the person when they work, we know. Who is the one person in the whole world? We always know when the person is working. Who? Uh, don't be shy, don't be shy. Ourself. Uh, we we remember we know and we remember. Every time we work, we know. But when other people work, do we know? Don't know. Yeah. So, so because of this disparity, it's very hard for us not to become jealous. So the fact that many of us are not jealous is remarkable, you know. <laughs> yeah. It must be that you all have cultivated appreciative joy for many lives in the past, huh? that in this life, even when you see other people's success, 
you don't naturally become uh, jealous. Yeah. Uh, but knowing that, then how can we overcome it? Uh, we should reflect on the conditions. The fact that a person is successful couldn't have come with no reason. There must be conditions that lead to that person's success. Yeah. Uh, although I do not know the conditions, there must be conditions. Yeah. And I'm sure, as I always say, some of, some of us may think, Sifu, you don't know about my colleague. My colleague whole day, do you all have some colleagues <clears throat> who is always carrying a coffee mug? Yeah? Walk here, walk there, drink coffee. Walk there, walk here, drink coffee. Never seem to do any work. And then somehow always get promoted. <laughs> uh, or maybe you are that person. Do you know that we are all that person? You don't know. Yeah. To other people, we are that person. <laughs> Do you, all have, do you all have people who are jealous of you? Have you met people who are jealous of you? There is. So you must know that in their mind, you are that person carrying the cup of coffee, can, can, can do nothing. But do you think you did, did nothing? No, you, do, you did a lot of things. You worked very hard. But because that person don't know, the person feel like you did nothing. Oh, sorry. Mikael. When I say kya lai kya ke, do you know what is kya lai kya ke? Uh, no. No, uh, uh, next time you don't you hear anything you don't know, you must raise your hand, okay? Uh, don't be shy. Yeah. Right. So, do you want to no... know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell me. Yeah. <laughs> he has no choice. Uh. I, I asked him, so he has to say yes. <laughs> Maybe he don't want to know. Never mind, I tell you. You don't want to know, I also tell you, okay? Free. So, <laughs> Kya lai kya ke. Kya means to walk. Okay, walk. Kya. Uh, so, lai means here. Lai means to come here. Yeah. Uh, kya lai kya ke. Yeah. So, walk here, walk there. Yeah. Uh, simply put, walk here, walk there. Uh, Albert, can you remember? Yes. Make sure you can remember. Huh? Next next class, I test the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> what is can I kyanku? So, yeah, it's so magical, you know. We all live in different world. We live in a world where we think that we work very hard, we are underappreciated. But in other people's world, we are the person who do nothing, walk here, walk there, or maybe not do nothing, didn't do as much as them. Yeah. Maybe that's why everybody, not everybody, some there are quite a lot of people who are miserable because you feel that that person didn't work so much. That person also feel you didn't work so much. And we only see the success. We only see the praise, hear the praises. We only see the rewards. We never see the hard work of each other. So become miserable. But if we were to celebrate each other's success, then everybody is happy. <laughs> Huh? Is it a better world? I think it's a better world. Huh? Yeah. So if you think about it, on an individual basis, 
then individuals can be happier. But if you extend it to a higher level, countries can be happy for each other. Is it possible? I, I like to think that it's possible, but difficult. That's why not many countries can do it. For example, recently in the Tokyo Olympics, when this country get gold or that country get gold, yeah, do the do the competing countries clap for them and celebrate and say, yes, you won us. Well done for winning our team. <laughs> huh? Uh, I don't know. But I remember that when I was at Scouts, right, we were taught this. Yeah. In a very subtle way, we were taught this. That whoever win, we cheer for them. <laughs> yeah. So it became... I, but it wasn't taught as part of Brahma Vihara. Don't be mistaken, okay? It's not that it was a Buddhist Scouts group. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but I remember that when I was in Scouts, because there are different patrol right patrol groups and every almost every week we have some kind of like games or tally match or whatever you know scavenger hunt and as much as we will cheer for our own team when other other patrols win we will the whole scouts group will all cheer for them also yeah we don't say like well boo them oh you always win oh eager patrol you're very smart oh. <laughs> no yeah it was just not a part of the culture but maybe we may think that, oh yeah, because you are small kids, are teenagers, easy to, to cycle, you know, yeah, easy to cycle you, yeah, then you're all stupid. Huh? <laughs> huh? Do you think it's stupid to be like that? When people win, you lose, you cheer for them. Yeah. Uh, let's say it's stupid, huh? but I think that is a good kind of stupid. <laughs> huh? I think if all of us become more stupid stupider <laughs> in this way i think this world would be a better place then countries will not have to become envious or jealous of other countries to the point where they try to invade each other or they try to attack each other uh, not using weapons but maybe using words you look at the news, yeah. How many times do we see in the news where countries uh, praise each other? Even and the most important thing is even when they don't agree with each other, they praise each other where it's due. Mm. To me, if if we can cultivate this appreciative joy to the max, then we can do that. But to do that, we need the next quality equanimity yeah or equanimity equanimity is um on a certain level it is that you are able to treat treat different individuals equally but on, on a more subtle level it is that you are able to be equal to remain equal not that the external factors are equal but you are able to remain in equilibrium despite the differences externally be it the experience you have today is a cool weather you you remain equilibrium tomorrow maybe hot weather you are still equilibrium are we able to do that 
like these few days is quite cooling. Yeah, I can assure you, everybody's mood is better. <laughs> Unless you are someone who is uh, selling, who is, uh, I don't know, who require people to go out. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, cooler weather tend to lead to calmer uh, temperament. Yeah, everybody in a good mood. But if the weather is a bit hot, huh, can you imagine? Yeah, when you when you go to sleep, then in the middle of the night you wake up, wow, the air is still. Yeah, you look out the window, all the trees are like that, not even moving a bit. The trees like that. And then the next day the sun. Uh, and after three days, the trees is not like that. The trees. Like that. Then even human beings become like that. <laughs> Usually when we learn about economies, economy, we think about human beings. Right? Yeah. Economists towards friend and poor. Yuan Qing Kingdom, right? Yeah. But um, a more subtle level, and perhaps even more crucially, the very day-to-day, um, -day, uh, almost, <clears throat> almost trivial circumstances. This is where equanimity needs to be built up. Because if you cannot even be equanimous towards hot or cold weather, what are the chances that you can be equanimous towards your friend and foe? You know, a bit of a hot weather, a bit of sweat, perspire, and then you, uh, <clears throat> then the the hot weather is not even active. Now imagine if it's your your worst enemy, and that person is actively trying to provoke you, day in day out. How does that compare to the hot weather? Not, huh? the hot weather is nothing, right? So if you if we cannot even be economists to very subtle bodily comfort and discomfort, <clears throat> hard for us to practice equanimity. But it's not just bodily comfort or discomfort. Yeah. The body, the Buddha, body, body, <laughs> the Buddha talk about eight vicissitudes, yeah, the eight winds of change. Yeah. Uh, gain and loss. Uh, uh, praise and blame, and then uh, uh, reputate, rep, uh, what? reputation, uh, fame, and disrepute, and then uh, pain and uh, pleasure and pain. Yeah. I mean, get the pair mixed up. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So start, but all this comes down to very subtle, our what? In Pali, we call it Vedana. Yeah our experience is it a painful experience is it a pleasant experience is it a neither painful nor pleasant experience think about it who do we call friend who do we call enemy who is it someone who keeps on causing you discomfort that you call friend or is it someone that you call enemy Every time you meet the person, the person insults you. 
Uh, every time you meet a person, the person say, what are you wearing today? <laughs> yeah, And it doesn't have to be a grievous hurt. Uh. It can be the subtlest, the very, very trivial comment. Uh. Alvin, how come you're always wearing white? You look quite fat, no? Wearing... <laughs> I mean, I don't say such things. Uh. You know that I don't say such things, okay? But just as an example, yeah? Mm. We we feel hurt over the very very trivial things, yeah. If it's a very big thing, then that's a different thing, you know. But our unhappiness comes from very trivial things. People just pass a casual remark, you don't even think about it, just blurt out, yeah. Then we feel hurt. At the same time, people just pass a casual remark, they don't even mean it. Wow, this is quite a nice T-shirt, huh? Oh, then we feel quite happy, you know? Yeah. And then we are happy with, with that person. Then we think, oh, that person is quite nice. When, when someone asks you, hey, what do you think about that who? That person. I say, quite, quite a nice character. Oh, you say, oh. <laughs> Simply because the person passed a casual remark. Hey, Alvin, you wear quite a nice t-shirt. Oh, then we feel quite good. Oh, Alvin. These days you you have a moustache, huh? wow, quite manly, you know. Well, then we feel, oh yeah, yes, quite manly now. Wow. Huh? We are easily swayed by what we hear. My teacher always says, words have no substance. Don't get caught up with it. Yeah. Don't get spun around by people's tongue. Yeah, what people say, then we spin around, spin, spin, spin. They want us to spin to the east, we spin to the east. They want us to spin to the west, then we spin to the west. <coughs> if we follow that, then our emotions is not in control. Then we are constantly in emotional roller coaster, right? And perhaps that's also another reason why we should practice equanimity. Because if you can practice equanimity, uh, many times, as I said, when we learn equanimity, it's oftentimes about how we treat other people. Yes, that's true. But if you practice equanimity, then you can have your inner peace first and foremost. Your, your inner world don't get disturbed. It, it can remain unperturbed. Yeah? not easily sweet by what you see, what you hear, what you smell, taste, touch, yeah, or think about. Then, easier for us to be equanimous towards people who we usually, whom we usually say is our friend or our enemy. Then we can be fair. Then we can truly appreciate people's success regardless of how they treat us because you are not moved by how they treat you then you can treat them fairly you can truly be fair to them if they are successful you can be happy for them and at the same time when you when we slowly develop equanimity then we can also bring to perfection bring to completion, the first two qualities of loving, kindness, and compassion. Think about it. 
if someone is not having happiness, not having suffering, yeah, but the person and the person is our friend, are we more likely to try to cheer him up or her up? Yes, of course. This is my dear friend. Why are you not smiling today? Huh? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> yeah. But if this is someone who always, yeah, during meetings, always <laughs> criticize your work. <laughs> Whatever you do, they criticize. Yeah. The only comment that they have for you is criticism. Then you feel hurt. Yeah. Then when you see that they are not having happiness, but also not suffering, how do you feel? Maybe, maybe you don't even want to look at a person. <laughs> huh? hmm. Think about it. Someone who always criticizes you, do you want to look at a person? I don't know about you. Sometimes I also don't want to look. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So if you don't even want to look at that person, how can you have loving kindness for that person? Yeah. And worse still, maybe if the person always criticizes you, and now the person is not particularly happy, but not suffering. He may start to start to look at the person and say, why today nothing happening? Huh? Lucky you lah. Huh? Today nothing happening. <laughs> huh? You see other people suffering, you, you know it's not suffering. Huh? <laughs> we, may even, huh? we may even question why they are not suffering, you know. Yeah, so it is not a given that when people see others without happiness and suffering, that we will naturally have loving kindness. No, it's not a natural thing. It's not a given. That's why we need to develop it. And that's why having equanimity, while it's the last, it helps the first three to come to completion. And with each of these quality, I, I, I Sometimes it's, this is like a, what you call that, uh, selection bias. Huh? The fact that you're here uh, listening to this talk, uh, chances are you're more um, inclined towards being kind, being compassionate already. Yeah. So sometimes it's like preaching to the choir, you know? Yeah. But still, I must say, <clears throat> When we practice these four qualities, don't be mistaken that it's all about benefiting others, that we don't get benefit. There's benefit to ourselves. Yeah. First and foremost, when you have the heart to wish for others' happiness, can you be filled with anger while trying to offer happiness to others? Is it possible? Not possible. So to feel happiness for others, to want happiness for others, your mind is already benefiting from it. <laughs> yeah. To have compassion for others, you must have compassion inside first, right? And compassion is a wholesome, is a positive quality. Yeah. It removes cruelty. Cruelty and compassion are at loggerheads. Yeah. Uh, anger and loving kindness is at loggerheads. The moment you practice loving kindness and compassion, anger and cruelty disappear. Ah, and that's before you even really benefit the other person. <laughs> so actually, 
we are taking advantage, you know. <laughs> yeah. Huh? yeah. So, a lot of reasons. And then number three, number three, as I mentioned earlier, the moment you have jealousy, you destroy your own happiness. Even though maybe you are doing well, you know, but the moment we give rise to jealousy, then we are not contented. Discontentment arises as a result. Yeah. And the more you are jealous, the worse it becomes. You look at your own achievement and you feel miserable about your own achievement, even though maybe your achievement is pretty okay. Yeah. Number four, equanimity, as I've mentioned. Yeah. If you are able to practice equanimity over time, your inner stability, your inner equilibrium, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. You're in charge of your life. The example I always like to use. Where's my prop? Give me a second. Let me get my prop. Today I have an actual prop. The remote controller. <laughs> When you don't practice equanimity, yeah, then basically you are saying, this is the controller for my happiness. You don't practice appreciative joy, you are telling people, this is my remote controller. You don't practice the four immeasurables, you say, come, you decide whether I'm happy or sad. You press, you press. <laughs> uh. Then when people want you to be happy, tee -tee. Oh, you're happy. When people want you to be sad, tee -tee. then you uh, I'm miserable. Yeah, don't let people control us. Such irony, right? In modern society, we keep fighting for freedom. Right? Freedom so that we can do as we please. But we forget the most important freedom. Freedom to feel how we want to feel. Yeah. So, uh, but talk is cheap. Uh. Talk is cheap. Yeah. So, important thing is we must go and do it. Yeah. So, for this one week, try. Anyone that you encounter, the first moment you encounter this person, whether you know this person or not, whether it's men or women, young or old, tall or short, fat or thin, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You consider. Is this person having happiness? Is this person having suffering? Yeah. And then you relate to the person in this way. Don't relate to this person in terms of the looks. Don't relate to this person in terms of whether this person can benefit you or not. No, don't care. Don't relate to this person whether this person gave you happiness in the past or gave you suffering in the past. Don't care about that. Yeah. Don't care about whether this person can fulfill your desire or not. Don't care. Yeah. Ask yourself, is this person happy or not happy? Suffering or not suffering? If you do this consistently, you have no time to worry about your own happiness or suffering. And guess what? You will take care of yourself. <laughs> okay, let me take a look at the chat. Uh, some of you left some uh, points. Jolene said, Shifu, thank you for your teaching today. You're welcome. And Jolene, where's Jolene? Oh, I think she left first. I will leave earlier to help the children Dharma class at Hai Ying Fo Shiyan. Oh, Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Uh, Sangra Mudra, Mudra Buddhist Society. Yeah, so uh, Jolene, 
if you are watching this on uh, Facebook, please send my regards to the venerables and the uh, community at Sagra Mudra Buddhist Society. Mm. I was a I, I was a student there before. Not not the children Dharma class. I attended the meditation class there. Uh, the there 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 what you call that? Uh, so their teacher, yeah. So their teacher teacher uh, is Yuan Fan Fa Si. I think Yuan Fan Fa Si is now in Australia. Yeah, but in the eighties, <coughs> yeah, in the eighties. Um, <clears throat> I think early 80s, there was a time where Yuan Fan Pasi, before he founded the Sagra Mudra Buddhist Society, I think <clears throat> he was in Pula Ubin. Yeah. And I heard <clears throat> I heard that a group of uh, Nian Poly students, uh, I think not just from Nian Poly, but a few Poly, uh, they, <clears throat> they frequently go to to visit him and learn from him. And at some point, they wanted to invite him to come back to mainland Singapore to, to lead them in their cultivation. So you know what they did? They took the bun boat to Pulau Bin and at the jetty, they started doing three step one bow. Pulau Bin, you know. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of the road are gravel road, dirt road. <laughs> They do three steps, they walk three steps and then they do a full prostration. Then they stand up, then they do three steps and then they do prostration. Yeah. They do it this all the way to where he stayed. I don't know how far he stayed from the jetty. Maybe he stayed at the jetty, I don't know. <laughs> I only heard the story that they started the three step one bow from the jetty. Yeah. So you all have to go and search where did he stay? <laughs> Maybe he really stayed at the jetty. So just Three step one bow, do three times, then oh, ding dong. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think it's quite far away. <clears throat> yeah. Why do they do that? They do that to express their gratitude and their sincerity to invite Yuan Fan Fasi, Venerable Yuan Fan, to guide them and to teach them. Yeah. So by the time I, I know about Yuan Fan Fasi, it was my sister who, who started uh, going to his center. Yeah, it was in uh, Gelang. Yeah, <clears throat> along Gilemat roadside. Yeah, so uh, come and think about it. I even I, I attended the meditation class. Uh, his his uh, student, uh, his disciple Falem Fasi was uh, co-teaching, co-guiding the class, and then uh, towards the end of the class, or the second half of the class, he will come in to give the teachings. Yeah, and then at some point, I think I even helped them with their, maybe with their website. That was when I was a lay person. Yeah. So, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu to Jolin for helping out at the children Dharma class. Huh? Yeah. Those of you who feel that, wow, you have learned so much Dharma. Wow, there's so much Dharma in you that the moment you open your mouth, Dharma drip out. Yeah. When you sleep, yeah, the Dharma drip out from the ear. <laughs> uh, then, if you feel that, you have so much dharma, uh, then go and look out for a lot. There are a lot of Buddhist centers uh, that has children's classes. Yeah? And you can volunteer your services to help out as a volunteer teacher. Uh, so Haying Fo Xie Yuan is one of them. 
Haiyin Gu Si, another one. Uh, that that one is in Chua Chu Kang, Bukit Batok Chua Chu Kang. Yeah, that's one. They have their children's class also. Then the one that I'm uh, serving over at uh, the Singapore Buddhist Youth Mission, yeah, yeah uh, they have their own children classes also for primary school, preschool, children, and secondary school. Comic Sun also have. Comic uh, Sun's uh, uh, Dharma school has a very long history. Yeah, Buddhist library also have. Ah, Buddhist library also have. Yeah. Uh, but you may think that, oh, but Sifu, I don't have so much Dharma. But that's another way you can contribute. Yeah, uh, Spread the word. Because sometimes Buddhism in Singapore is very funny. We have temples with a lot of programs. We have lay people who need Dharma. But the two groups don't talk to each other. <laughs> so the temple wonder, hey, we organize all this program. Where are the people? Then the lay people wonder, where are all the temples? Where are the programs? <laughs> uh, so you can do your part to help link them together. Yeah. Uh, if you know of anyone who has children, young children, whether it's their children or nieces or nephew and so on, uh, they need to attend classes. They would like to attend classes. They would like to just you know know some learn something about Buddhism. Yeah, you can point them there. Okay. Mm. Okay. Lee asks. What about paternal, maternal instincts? Please answer only when you are convenient. When I'm convenient? When, or you mean when it's convenient for me? <laughs> uh, paternal, maternal instincts. What about paternal, maternal instincts? Uh, so in Buddhism, <laughs> in Buddhism we say nothing is inherent. So... <laughs> But a lot of father and mother would disagree with me, especially mother. Yeah. Uh, how many mothers are there? Raise your hand. All the mothers here. Uh, do you all agree that there is something called maternal instincts? Some, uh, in this class, after what Sifu said, nobody there to say that you, you think there's maternal instinct. Yeah. After class, Sifu always like that one. Huh? Say so much, then ask us this kind of question. How to answer? Huh? We answer yes, also wrong. No, also wrong. Then how to answer? <laughs> yeah. By and large, I think people do feel that there's something called instincts, right? The fact that we call it paternal instincts or maternal instincts means that it's, it's exclusive to mothers, father and mother. Yeah. Uh, so there are so much things to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure the angle that Li Ying want to ask, but I would say, like, uh, I want to say all other things, or I should say most other things. Uh, this, even these two are not inherent. Meaning, not every father, not every mother necessarily have them. There are some fathers who don't feel a connection with their children. There are some mothers who don't feel a connection with their children. You know? Yeah, I'm saying this not putting them down, not criticizing them for not having it. I'm just stating as a matter of fact, right? Yeah, and and to me, um, there seems to be a certain expectation that mothers must have that 
instinct to 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 put their children as the top topmost priority. And perhaps that's why when women are successful in their career and maybe don't prioritize their children so much, then there's a certain societal pressure on them, you know, which I don't think is fair, right? Yeah. I mean, as a as a monk, as a man, I, I don't see why it should be such a disparity. But perhaps part of this is also because of the societal conditioning. Because for the longest time, most family are what? Most family have the father as the sole breadwinner. And then the mother is usually the homemaker. Right? Yeah. Of course, at some point, um, then there's a shift. And mainly because of industrialization. Yeah. And then we have both parents working. But if, despite that, despite a few generations of that happening already in Singapore, we perhaps still have this conditioning. Yeah? And so we expect mothers to have maternal instincts and father to have paternal instincts. Uh, of course, biologists may come in and say, no, no, this is hardwired. <laughs> yeah? If it can be hardwired, then I would argue likewise that some may evolve to not be hardwired also. <laughs> Right, just like some of us are lactose tolerant, some are lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah, although we all belong to one species, humankind, but same, same, but different. Yeah, so that's all I want to say about paternal maternal instincts. Yeah, uh, I don't know whether there are other angles you, you would like to discuss. No? Feel free to leave in the comments if you have uh, other things you want to ask but, uh, pertain pertaining to this. Yeah, but if I were to take this thing about paternal maternal instincts with respects to the four immeasurable, ah, then we can also say some, something else. <clears throat> that if a person, uh, a father or mother, have uh, paternal or maternal instinct, then quite naturally, when the child is uh, is uh, not happy not suffering, they have a tendency to want to cheer them up. Yeah. I will tell you this. Uh, my uncle is not here. <laughs> my uncle, when we were young, my uncle, my favorite uncle, we call him Kuku. Not Kuku. Uh. Kuku and Kuku different. Uh. <laughs> oh. I know Albert, Albert, uh, you turn your head. I know it sounds the same. But it's different. Yeah. Kuku is the uncle who is from your mother's side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Kuku is actually Mandarin. <laughs> but anyway, Chinese is a complicated species. Uh. So uh, the thing is, he dotes on us, all four of us. But he's also very strict. Yeah, he's also very strict. Uh, but then when it comes to the point where he has a child himself, wow, I tell you, uh, there was one day he told us, you know, you know what he told us? He said he cannot stand seeing his son cry. I don't know whether his son knows. Yeah, Ivan, his son. I tell all that name. Uh, then the whole world knows. <laughs> but it's nothing bad. Uh, huh? Why are we so secretive about our life? Yeah. It's a very beautiful thing. And this is the first time I hear someone say that he cannot 
that this person cannot stand seeing the other person cry. Why am I surprised or why, why do I find it so interesting? Because in my family, my father and mother don't seem to mind seeing us cry. <laughs> hey, is Mama here? Mama still sleeping or Mama not here? Okay, can, can continue saying. <laughs> in our family, why, why, why do we cry? Of course, the most obvious reason is if we, let's say sometimes among siblings, we fight with each other. Actually, we never fight. To be very honest, we don't so-called fight. We may quarrel, we may argue, but we never physically fight. There was once, okay, there was once. My sister tried to hit me and I, I while crying, <laughs> so that's not considered fighting. Uh. Yeah, fighting is punching. I, I, and that was the only time I actually retaliated. Yeah, and then my mom, the, the only time, the only time in my life. <laughs> so then, can you remember? <laughs> Maybe you cannot remember. The only time though in my whole life where I have a conflict with my elder sister and my mother rule against her. All other times, it's my fault. <laughs> and, then my, and my mother's reasoning is, your brother don't anyhow cry. Today he cried. It must be your fault. <laughs> Very simple law. <laughs> Very simple law. Yeah, and it's true. I, I don't anyhow cry. Yeah. Why? Because in our family, when other reasons we cry is when my mother kin us. Yeah. Of course, lah, so painful. Cry. So we will cry, right? Then he con she continued to hit. You cry, she continued to hit. But sometimes you go out of control, right? Then, you, <laughs> then, then, she will, then she will tell you, you stop crying, mama stop hitting you. You continue crying, we I continue to hit you. <laughs> so this is the tough love training. <laughs> huh? Ever in Spain, would this be considered uh, child abuse? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but this is our Asian mother love. When you hit a child, it's for your own good. And the mother will tell all the children, do you know that when I hit your hand, it hurts my heart, you know? I'm doing you a favor, no? It's for your own good. So we are brought up to be grateful, to be kin. So you cannot win this kind of people. Yeah, we are twisted. <laughs> but, 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 this story is not about my mother, not about, about me, about my uncle. Yeah. And that's why when I heard my uncle say this, that he cannot stand it when he see his son cry or his son being unhappy. Wow, I was so surprised. Because in my family, you're unhappy, you're unhappy, like your problem. Like. Oh, this is the kind of tough love we get. There are so many times we are unhappy, but my mother bite the bullet and go. My mother don't decide on things based on whether we smile or we cry. He did, she decide on the long-term benefit. If it's good for you, she will insist that it should be done. If it's not good for you, even if you cry your heart out and you want that toy, she said no. No means no. Uh, this is the most this is the most uh, common phrase. Of course, she say in Hokkien, Beisai, Beisai. Ah, right? You see, my sister 
smile and uh, so much. Huh? Yeah, so paternal instinct, maternal instinct. Uh, I think uh, for many parents, we they find it difficult to see their child suffer. Hmm. So then the, does it mean that it is right or wrong? Or is that right or wrong to begin with? So this is where wisdom must come in. Just now I mentioned, right? <clears throat> my mother and my father, they don't make decisions based on whether you are laughing or crying. Laughing and crying is very superficial. If, you're, if you want to make a child laugh, very simple, just give the child your, the handphone. Today, nowadays, you just give handphone, they, they are happy like a bird. Cheat, 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 play, 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 <laughs> right? But is this good for the child in the long term? I don't think so. Suitably, suitable entertainment, yes. But if you just satisfy the child whenever the child cries, then you are unwittingly teaching the child the wrong thing. You are teaching the child that as long as you cry, you will get what you want. As, as you kick up a tantrum, you will get what you want. As long as you make enough noise, you will get what you want. But is this the case in life? I don't think so. Yeah. So we need to exercise our wisdom. Our wisdom to see whether that person is truly suffering, not just superficial suffering, and to see whether the happiness this person is pursuing, is it true happiness or is it short-term happiness? Granted, granted, not all short-term happiness is necessarily bad. Otherwise, it means that you all should just throw away all your entertainment, right? So a bit of short-term entertainment, no problem. As long as the short-term entertainment doesn't bring long-term harm, yeah, doesn't have other side effects. Yeah. Oh, but to go into specifics of parenting, uh, that is another Dharma talk altogether. Okay. Um, Mikhail raised his hand. You shall have the mic. Yeah, yes, you said a sentence, I think, in Chinese about parents that I didn't understand. I was just asking about that. Um, oh, what was the sentence? You, you looked at someone else in the group and you, and you said that they understood it. It was something about when parents do the right thing. It sounded oh. like, a, like a catchphrase or, or an expression. Oh, uh, it's also a, a, a Chinese phrase. Huh? I think so. I think that was it. Oh, uh, 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 that's, I think that was it. Ah, okay. So, so this is Hokkien. Uh, so this is a very special class. You get language bonus class. <laughs> you learn Dharma and then you learn language and you learn culture. Uh, special bonus. So Beisai, uh, you must be careful how you pronounce it. Uh, because Sai in Hokkien means shit. <laughs> but Beisai doesn't mean no shit. Okay? Beisai means cannot. Uh, then Tosi yeah, is yeah. So cannot means cannot. Okay. Okay. Come uh, now. You wanna try? Say besai to see besai. Besai to see besai. Ah, uh, not bad, not bad. I give you about sixty-five points. Thank you. I'm happy with that. <laughs> you happy with that? Okay. Then I give you fifty-five. 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Chinese style. Chinese style, <laughs> we, we must always push people to become better. If you are satisfied just with 65, no, I give you 55. How do you feel about it? Well, mm, I'm still 65 in my mind. <laughs> no, you're not 65 anymore. Now you're 55. Okay. Not so happy about it. <laughs> not so happy. Then you yeah. must try again. Yeah. Try again. What was it? I forgot. Beisai to see Beisai. Beisai to see Beisai. Ah, okay, not bad. You still get 55. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you think, how do you think, how do you think the 14 year old girl win 10, 10 gets, gets such a high score? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but just joking, uh, just joking. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, I think Ellie Allison raised her hand just now. No, who raised the hand? I saw another hand moving around. Yeah. Everybody good? Are you happy? Say yes. Okay, happy. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, let me see. Uh, okay, no more, no, no other comments. Yes, very good. Uh, as I said, talk is cheap. Huh? So we shall stop talking about this. We shall go and act accordingly. Yeah. But to act accordingly, we must act with wisdom. Otherwise, it's very easy to just try to placate people. Then you end up spending your life trying to just please people. The four immeasurables, loving kindness is not about just trying to please people. Is trying to help people to have true happiness. Compassion, compassion is not not it's not encouraging people to to scream and shout at the drop of the head, but it's to sincerely consider whether someone is suffering or not. Because sometimes people don't appear to be suffering, but they are suffering. Suffering then don't have to be written on the forehead. Yeah, that's a Singapore expression. We always say that. Huh? Don't have to write here on, you know. Yeah. So uh, we can never tell. Yeah. So it takes wisdom, it takes patience, it takes mindfulness for us to really spend time. That's why you need patience. You need to spend time with people before you can understand what is their baseline and you know, are they suffering? Are they suffering? Uh, then we can be of benefit to others. So, Amitofo.